Amen. What a, what a day. Amen. And praise God once again for that wonderful special music. Man, I heard a lot of amens, <laughs> but I think the ladies were like, um, on their minds, a women. <laughs> They're going to have fellowship next Saturday. Maybe they're planning, oh, we should sing also the next day. <laughs> All right, we'll see about that. All right, next week. But that's truly a blessing to see all the leaders of our church, all the men in our church, um, to um, render special music for the Lord. And I believe they will be able to, you know, lead their family, you know, to worshiping God, praising God, serving Him, if they themselves are doing it. Amen? It has to start. It has to start um, from the leaders, from our fathers. So it's just glad to see them. Uh, doing that for God's glory, and I am so um, thrilled to be your speaker this morning. I know I'm not a father myself, but I will speak from the Word of God, amen, and I believe that that's what we are looking forward to today, and without further ado, um, I don't usually have, you know, this long pages of message. I used, I always have maybe three to four pages, but today I have five pages of sermon. <laughs> <laughs> because I was um, instructed by our fellowship committee that <laughs> the food might be late today, but I think it changed. All right, it's going to be here on time. So everything is going to be um, according to the plan. Amen? So I'd like to request everyone to please rise and open your Bibles in the book of Luke chapter 15, verse 11 down to verse number 32, and uh, maybe... You are wondering how come Pastor Abel's message this morning is the same like last Sunday. If you were here last Sunday, uh, who were our speakers last Sunday? In the morning was Pastor Ellie, and he also spoke about the prodigal son, you know, the compassionate and loving father. If you weren't here last Sunday, you were somewhere else. Amen? But praise God that you are here today. Amen? All right, so let's read... We've read the scripture passage last week, but it's good to read God's word. Amen? Even though over and over again, I know that we are going to be blessed. Luke 15, 11 to 32, we'll read it responsibly, and we'll read all together verse number 32. The Bible says, Luke 15, 11, and he said, a certain man had two sons. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with righteous living. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? And am no more worthy to be called thy son, make me as one of thy hired servants.
And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. And bring hither the fatted calf, and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. Now his elder son was in the field, and as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry, and the master of the week, therefore came his father out, and immediately. And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment, and yet thou never gavest me a kid, that I might make merry with my friends. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. And it was meet that we should make merry and be glad, for this thy brother was dead and is alive again, and was lost and is found. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our gracious God and heavenly Father, thank you for the reading of your word. Thank you so much for this time that we can all be gathered here in your house of worship as the body of Christ. As your family, Lord, thank you so much for saving us. Thank you for taking us out of the darkness, and now we are enjoying the light that we have with you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for all these wonderful people, for their devotion and commitment to be gathered in this house of worship during this first Sunday, first day of the week, because we want to put you first in our lives. We want to prioritize you. And Lord, this time we ask forgiveness and cleansing from all our shortcomings and our sins that we have committed against thee. Please, Lord God, cleanse our hearts. Humble ourselves, Lord God, as we, as we come today um, to your throne of grace boldly. And we ask for thy presence and thy power. The Holy Spirit's guidance be upon us as we read your word, as we study thy word. And may you be glorified in no one else. In Christ's most precious name, amen and amen. You may now be seated. Thank you so much for standing with me. Actually, you know, we have read the story and we are going to focus on verse 18. I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. That's why the title of our message this morning is, I Will Go Home. That actually reminded me of the song we always sing, you know, during the end of the year or start of the year. I don't know if you're familiar also with that song. I will go on. I will go on. My past I leave behind me. Maybe we can change the lyrics. I will go home. My past I leave behind me. Amen. <laughs> All right, so, you know, this was shared, this story was shared by Pastor Ellie last week, and we are all aware of that. And you know what? Last week was very special. I think I had an additional job description here in the church. Uh, I would say I was the napkin manager last week <laughs> because our morning speaker, you know, while he was reading this word, started crying 
And you know, truly that if we will just meditate and really understand and comprehend God's word, you know, it will really touch our hearts and even our emotions. So Pastor Ali started, you know, crying last week. And now in the afternoon also, Pastor Jether, if you were here last Sunday afternoon, Pastor Jether has also um, started to shed some blood, I mean shed some tears <laughs> last week. All right, and then I handed him also a napkin. So I feel like, wow. <laughs> and uh, well, today's Father's Day, and hopefully there's not going to be any shed blood later on <laughs> or shed tears. But we just really want to appreciate all our fathers. Today is your day, but, you know, tomorrow is going to be Mother's Day again all throughout the year. <laughs> so <laughs> make the most of it today, our dads, all right? <laughs> okay. Yes, I heard that from one of the moms. All right, but we believe that even though this was preached last Sunday, and I believe Pastor Sam is also going to touch this topic later on, but we always believe that God's Word is inexhaustible. Amen? Even though you read the same verse every day, every day, it will always speak to us in a very special way. But, you know, um, if you were here last Sunday, what was the title of Pastor Ellis' message? Is it home or hope? <laughs> All right, because I was confu confused too. When he was saying the title, because he doesn't have a title. He didn't give me a PowerPoint because he said they don't do that in their church. All right, so it's okay, Pastor, just... And last week was really amazing. You know, it was exposition of the scriptures, you know, verse by verse. You know, sometimes we really need that because we learn a lot of, you know, things from God's word. But yes, I thought it was hope, but the title of the message was home. Home. Okay, so the three, is it? Oh, is it hope? <laughs> okay, now I'm confused. All right, but I believe, I believe uh, the, the outlines uh, he gave us was first is he was home, I mean sick of home, sick of home, right? And then second is homesick, that's why, you know, he returned back home, and then home, the last point. So I believe the title of the message is home, okay? And he spoke about, you know, revival, right? Revival, and we really were blessed last week. But um, yes, we know this, this story, just giving you a gist, if, you know, it's your first time to hear this story, this is called the Parable, the parable, it is the story of the prodigal son. You know, there's this son, the younger son, who, you know, got tired of living in their house, in the protection of his father, and one day, you know, he asked the portion of his inheritance. And Pastor Ali elaborated that, that, you know, that was really not a good part on the father's side, because how come you are asking your inheritance already when you are young? Because used to, used, uh, used to be when the dad is gone, you know, that's when the inheritance is going to be, you know, passed on to the children. But this younger son, his father is not dead yet, but he's already asking for that inheritance. Maybe good on his part, but not on the part of the father. That was really painful and hurtful for the part of the father. So the father was very nice. The father was very kind. We did not see any, you know, argument and explanation. He was just very nice. So he gave the inheritance to the younger son, and the younger son was very happy. And what he did, he went to a far country, he wasted all his substance, he spent all his money, he went to be with the wrong people, and what happened? He got drained. All of his money, all of his possessions were all wasted, and he doesn't have anything. You know, he went to this place, he got a job, but the, the job was not a good-paying job. 
You know, maybe the, the employer is not paying him right to the point that what he is doing, you know, he's feeding the, the pigs, the swine, because he doesn't have any food. You know, he's the one also eating the food of those swine. So he went to the, you know, to the bottom line of his life, to the rock bottom, and then he came to realize that I have to go back to my father. I have to go home. He realized. You know, I believe it's time to go home when... Okay, I'm going to give you some, a few things. It's time to go home when you're far off. It's time to go home when you're far off. In verse 13, the Bible says he took his journey into a far country. Maybe he wanted to be just as far away, as far away from home. But if you've gone too far, that is not good. And when you have gone too far from your family, you know, even... We can also talk about with our relationship with God. You know, sometimes we drift away. You know, if, if we have gone too far from the presence of God, from our relationship with God, from our fellowship with God, you know, it's time to go back home. You, when you're foolish, in verse 13, wasted his substance. You know, he dispersed, he scattered, he threw away all his, all his substance. You know, he wasn't thinking right, he wasn't thinking wisely. When you're starting to become foolish, it's time to go home. Let us see, when you're fleshly, in verse 13, on riotous living. You know, he doesn't care, you know, um, what is going on in his physical body. He doesn't care what's going on in his life. When that time comes to us, it is time to go home. When you're filthy, in verse number 15, sent him into his, field, into his fields to feed swine. When you're filthy, it's time to go home. When you know that you're friendless, amen? And you know, sometimes we thought that the people that strangers to us, they are the ones that we can count on in our lives, who we have just met like few days ago, few weeks ago, but the people that we have been with years and years ago, they thought they were the ones that don't care about us. But let me tell you, those strangers who doesn't have any part in our life, when tough time comes, we won't see them. And we'll become friendless. When we become friendless, it's time to go home. Amen? And when we are famished, in verse 16, he would have fain have filled his belly with the husk. It's time to go home. You know, he took one long look in the mirror, and the Bible says, really great realization in his life. And he said to himself, I want to go back home. He did an inventory and discovered where he was, and he said, I believe I need to go home. Verse 18, I will arise. And go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. You know what? There is something about home that was pulling him back. There was something about home that was drawing him back. There was something special about home that was calling him. You know, even in this despicable state, in his awful condition, he knew that there was one place he could always go, and that is home. 
you know, I want us to look at four reasons why the prodigal son decided to go home. All right, so four things. Number one, you may laugh at this or smile because of the kitchen. Amen? Amen? <laughs> I think God's people is not hungry yet. Amen? <laughs> All right, because of the kitchen. I was going to say because of the chicken, okay? Because of the kitchen. In verse 17, servants of my fathers have bread enough to spare, and he was perishing with hunger. You know, I, I was thinking about the kitchen. This is, speaks about the fellowship, you know, with the father. It's not just the food, amen? I believe in our homes, we do have a lot of gathering and fellowships so when we are around the food. We are, we are in the kitchen, Right? And I would also say this is, this is speaking about fellowship and also fullness. You know, in the kitchen of his father, there is fellowship, there is fullness. And you know what? There's nothing that will draw a person back home like home cooking. Amen? Who loves here? <laughs> Uber Eats. That's not home cooking, Pastor Sam. Who loves here, uh, you know, the, the cooking of the mom, the wife? Anyone here? And I believe some of the households here, you do have good cooks. Amen? If your mom is a good cook, then you're so blessed. And what if the mom is a good cook and even the father is a better good cook? Is a better cook. All right, today's Father's Day, all right? So you are very blessed. Amen? And there is nothing, you know, better to enjoy home-cooked meals. Amen? If you do have a good cook in your house, can you please raise your hand? Amen. Amen. A lot. How come I'm going to expect some invitations later? All right. But you know what? Um, you know, randomly sometimes I get uh, messages from our members, and I'm just surprised, you know, when on Messenger they would send you like a picture. It's going to um, notify you that you have received a photo. And I'm wondering, how What's going to be the photo that this, you know, member is going to send me? And lo and behold, if I'm going to open my messenger, it's their home-cooked meal. <laughs> sometimes it's tenola. Sometimes what are the, what are the ulam na niya? A lot of different, you know, home-cooked meals. And I'm like, wow, uh, good for you. Enjoy. <laughs> Share it. But, you know, we are so blessed to have and... Right now, we are really blessed to have Pastor Jether and Sister Hazel, really good cooks. And, well, I miss my mom. His, uh, she's been home with God for, I can't believe that it's almost nine years now. Is it nine years? Yes, nine years. And, you know, you heard it from Pastor Sam himself, he's the eldest, that our mom is not a good cook. But, <laughs> he was like that. <laughs> but, we enjoyed all her cooking because that made us alive, you know, <laughs> until this very day. Um, I would always remember, especially when my dad started to become ill and sick, when he got mild stroke, because we cannot eat any more meat and all that, although sometimes we don't actually have those meat because, you know, meat are expensive. But after that, hap uh, that happened, like mostly every day, we, we eat fish. You know, especially tilapia, because I believe that's the, the cheapest one. So every day, tilapia. Imagine that. Galunggong, Gigi. Okay? 
and just different kinds of, you know, way of cooking it. Sometimes it's sinigang, nilaga, paksil, yes, paksil. Oh, when Sister Josie used to cook for um, the house, she always uh, cooked paksil. Okay, it's very good. All right, so uh, that's my mom, but we are so grateful for her because, like what I said, um, that made us alive up to this very day. And when there's, like, special occasion, not birthdays, we only have, like, celebration when it's Christmas, New Year. That's why we love um, macaroni salad because that's one of her specialties. Um, she would make, like, two big, you know, container bowls. The reason why it's a lot it's not because there's going to be a lot of visitors, but that's going to be our food for the next, <laughs> next week. Or <laughs> not next month, that's super... Uh, for the next coming days, that's going to be our food. From Christmas to New Year, <laughs> all macaroni salad. But we love her um, cooking. But, you know, it's not the same. You know, right now we really miss uh, her cooking, although it's not that very good, but... We love her cooking, you know? And sometimes we love to travel to some places, but are you the one who enjoy, you know, more when you come back home? Because you just miss the cooking of your mom, cooking of your wife. You know, it doesn't take long before we start missing home cooking. You know, in our story, this boy would have loved to have some really good meal, but at this point of time, he had nothing. You know, he was starving. In verse 17, servants of my father's bread had enough to spare. And here I am. I am perishing with hunger. You know, the devil doesn't feed his children. He starves them to death. You know, when he does feed them, he makes them think it will be sweet. But in reality, it's bitter. It is bitter. In Proverbs chapter 5, verse 3, For the lips of a strange woman drop as an honeycomb, and her mouth is smoother than oil, but her end. This literally what happened to her. He thought that, you know, being with these harlots, you know, being with these women, you know, it's really good, but her end is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. You know, that's why he came back home, because... He missed the fellowship of the Father. He missed their kitchen because of the kitchen. Secondly, because of the kinfolk. In verse number 18, and this is referring to the Father himself. The younger son decided to go back home because he remembered his father. Because of the kinful. Verse 18, I will arise and go to my father and say unto him, Father, I have sinned. You know, even though he offered to be a servant, but what did he call him? Did he call him master? No, he still called him father. You know, there's something always special about family. Amen? Amen. He said in verse 19, I am no longer worthy to be called your son, but you are still worthy to be called my father. I hope that's going to be our fathers in our church. You know, I know that sometimes your children would mess up, your children would drift away, your, chi your children would do something that we don't want to do, but I hope that our relationship with them, the way we see them, is still the same just like before. 
No, because every one of us, we make mistakes. Amen? He had been in a far country surrounded by strangers, and no man gave unto him. Nobody cared about him. Nobody cared if he lived or died. You know, those people that he was around with, for some reason, they were gone. You know, he joined himself to a citizen of that far country, and all he got out, it was rejection, starvation. But when he remembered the family, when he remembered his kinfolk, when he remembered his father, he decided to just all of a sudden make a swap. You know, he swapped the harlots for home. He swapped the foreigners for family. He swapped the no man for the one man that would love him no matter what. And praise God because, you know, this is actually representing also our heavenly father. Amen? That's the kind of father also that we have. So he went back home because of the kitchen. He went back home because of the kinfolk, and thirdly, amen, because of the kindness. In verse 20, his father saw him and had compassion and ran. I'm seeing here the word forgiveness, the kindness of the father, forgiveness. And this was the only moment that the father ran. The, fa the father was so excited to be able to see his son coming back once again. No doubt he had not heard a kind word since he left the house. If he did, maybe he had to pay for it. You know, sometimes people would come to you because you have something, right? But when everything is gone, you wouldn't hear any, anything from them. You know, when he was living in sin, there was no compassion. When he went broke, there was no compassion. When he was starving to death, there was no compassion. When he was lonely and heartbroken, there was no compassion. When he was ashamed of himself and struggling with what to do, there was no compassion. But he knew where he could find compassion. He knew his father would take him back, even if it was an only hired servant. No doubt he had watched his father forgive a wayward servant before. Maybe they had messed up or ran away or done something wrong. You know, he knew his father would treat him right. His father had given him his portion of his inheritance and let him walk away. But still, he knew that the father is still compassionate and very kind. That is the kind of father we need in our homes. Amen? So this younger son went back to his house because of the kitchen, because of the kinfolk, because of the kindness of the Father, and lastly, amen? In verse 20, when his father saw him and fell on his neck and kissed him because of the kisses. Amen? It's not the chocolate, all right? Does anyone here have the chocolate, though? <laughs> I'm starting to get hungry. No, I'm just kidding. Because of the kisses. You know, sometimes it's always nice to have, you know, physical affection from the Father, you know, maybe some of you here, your father was not, you know, very uh, close to you. You, you never had the chance to actually be with your father. But when you started to become a father yourself, you want to change everything. You know, you never received kiss or hug from your father. But this time that you have your own family, you want to 
do exactly the opposite. You know, you want to always kiss them, you always want to hug them, you know, because it's, it's always good to have that kind of affection. You know, in the Bible, in Genesis chapter 33, there are some few um, instances in the Bible where we find the phrase, fell on his neck and kissed. In Genesis chapter 33, verse 4, the Bible says, And Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him, and they wept. So what is this story? Uh, is, this is between Esau and Jacob. Remember that they were like always um, fighting with each other, and they part ways for a very, very long time. And praise God because they were able to reconcile with one another. And at this point, you know, Esau was the one who ran. And actually, Jacob was the one who's kind of like afraid what's going to be the reaction, what's going to be the response of my brother when we are going to meet. But, you know, he was so comforted to see that it was Esau who was the one running to him. And they got reconciled. You know, they kissed. They embraced each other. In Genesis 45, verse 14, also another instance, and he fell upon his brother's Benjamin's neck and wept, and Benjamin wept upon his neck. And this is now the story of Joseph and Benjamin. You know, they were, um, depart, uh, they were part, parted also for a long time. And in Genesis chapter 46, verse 29, and Joseph made ready his chariot and went up to meet Israel, his father. And this is Jacob to Goshen and presented himself unto him. And he fell on his neck and wept on his neck a good while. See? That, um, that situation there. And also in Acts chapter 20, verse 37, and they all wept sore and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him. These are the early Christians. They missed their, you know, uh, mentor. They missed their spiritual leader. And when they saw Paul, they just can't help it but express their love to Paul. Luke 15, 20, our text, and he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. I want us to see here, you know, his father showered him with not just one kiss, I believe, but a lot of kisses. But you know the situation of the younger son here. You know, he came from where? <laughs> from, a from a very stinky place. He stunk like a hog pan. He hadn't had a bath. And he hadn't changed clothes, only God knows how long. He was a mess. But his father couldn't stop kissing him. You know, sometimes for us, if we see just, you know, even our own family sometimes, if they don't look clean, we won't even like bother to touch them, right? But this father fell on his neck and kissed him. What a love. What a father's love. But you know what? This morning, you may be here today and you think yourself that this message isn't for you. You may say, well, I never left home. I'm always, I'm always home. I'm always doing my part. I'm not a prodigal. I'm just fine. But guess what? There's another brother in the story. We had the younger brother, and we have the elder brother. Amen. We have another four points for this. Amen. <laughs> All right. It's not done yet. All right. But this is a quick one. But after this, I would like to just give some um, instructions and message to all our fathers that you will 
uh, take home today. You know, that brother, that older brother, never left the house. He didn't take his inheritance and run off. But unfortunately and sadly that his heart wasn't right. His heart wasn't right. Actually, same points. You know, he didn't enjoy the kitchen. In verse 28, he would not go in to enjoy the fatted calf. He was not also enjoying the kinfolk, sad to say the father. Not once did he ever call his father, father. He asked the servants what was going on inside the house. His communication with the father wasn't right. Instead, he was concerned about his friends in verse 29. He was like saying, how come you didn't even kill a fatted cow so that I can, you know, have, you know, good time with my friends? He was not thinking of his father, but he was thinking about his friends. He didn't enjoy the kindness. His father extended it to him in verse 28, but he refused it. He chose to stay angry. He chose to stay on the outside. He chose to be at odds. So he didn't enjoy the kitchen, not the kinsfolk, not the kindness, and he didn't even enjoy the kisses. We know his father was a compassionate, kind, and affectionate man. He was home, but he never enjoyed the blessings of home. So what is the message this morning? I believe that we need to go back home. We need to go back home. Let us go home. And you know what? It's good to go back to a home that is really a good home. And here in our church, our prayer is that all our families will be harmonious. Amen. I know everyone's not perfect. The father's not perfect. The mother's not per per perfect. And same thing with us, the children. We are not close to any perfection. But we all want to have a good home. Because you will not have the desire to go back home if that home is not good. This, um, this younger son was able to really desire to go back home because he knew that he had a good father. He had a good home. But weren't you asking, what about the mother? Where's the mother here? She's not out of the picture <laughs> in the kitchen. Because it's Father's Day, it's not Mother's Day. But you know what? There's not actually a definite, you know, um, definite truth where actually the mother is. But there's speculation and actually two responses if you're going to ask yourself, where's the mother? There have been two responses to her absence. The more kindly suggestion is that the mother is no more. She's already gone. At some time in the past, she passed away. Some have suggested that her passing might have taken place during her giving birth to her youngest son, like Rachel of old. If that is the true, um, the true scenario, imagine this. The father, every time he would see the younger son, reminded him of his loving wife. But instead of feeling you know, um, the hurt, seeing that young child, he doesn't see it that way. He still see love, compassion. And I was just reminded of how our Heavenly Father is to us. You know, when he sees us, it is reminding him of his son who died on the cross for us.
But God said in Romans 5, 8, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, the heavenly father let his son to die on the cross for all of us. Amen. Isn't that amazing? Now the question is how to have a good Christian home. No, a big role that is left to all the leaders in the home is, I would say, um, the fathers. We rely on our fathers. So right now, I would just like to leave you with some, you know, be, be, let us all be reminded about the duties. Not just the father, but the mother, the wives. So I will leave you with these verses from Ephesians and also Colossians, Colossians and we will close with this. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22, what does the Bible say? Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. And now, Ephesians 5, 25, husbands, love your wives. Amen? Even as Christ also loved the church and he gave himself for it. So these are basics, right? Wives, submit yourselves. Husband, love your wives. You know, and we have learned and we have heard a lot of times that one of dads, one of the best things that you can um, give to your children is to love your wives. Amen? That's one of the best things that you can give them. And then the children's part. Ephesians 1, 6, uh, 6 1 to 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And very ironically, this was also repeated like these same things. Ephesians, and then it was also repeated in the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 3, verse 18 to 21. Wives, is the same thing. Submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. And then husbands, it's not there, it's not there, the Colossians. And husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Amen, husbands, amen, fathers. Verse 20, children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well pleasing unto the Lord. And verse 21, fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. So is it ironic, like the same pattern from Ephesians, and it was, you know, put all together in the book of Colossians. So I made some research here, especially that phrase, because I've been so curious. What do we mean by, Father, do not provoke your children to wrath. Do not provoke your children to anger. I was really wondering, what does that mean? So I made a little research. In Colossians 3, 18 to 21, the Apostle Paul summarized his instruction concerning Christian family life in four concise directives. Okay, so those are the verses from 18 to 21 of Colossians chapter 3. Do you know the word provoke? The word provoke in the original Greek language means to irritate or arouse feelings such as anger, hurt, shame, and fear to the point of exasperation. So other, other translations render the phrase is that do not exasperate, do not aggravate, do not drive to resentment, do not nag, and do not embitter. 
So what do we mean by that phrase now? I'm leaving you with this. It is the image of an overbearing disciplinarian who constantly corrects and rebukes a child for every little mistake or perceived wrong. Such a father will provoke his children. So I am not saying here that correcting and disciplining the children is bad. All right? So that is totally not what I'm talking about here. But if it is overbearing, if it is constant, and I'm warning the children, I know that you're feeling so good right now. All right? So, Dad, you can't do that now. Becoming your ticket, right? But I'm not saying that. Discipline from the father, from the, from the parents is very necessary. Amen? So the, the wrong thing here, if it is provoking your children, if it is overbearing, like all the time, you see the negative things. You know, like the moment you see them in the morning, oh, it's like they're not your child. And sometimes we're even nicer to other people compared to our own family, right? So the Greek word, you know what, um, in verse, Ephesians uh, 6 verse 4, um, the verse that we have read in Colossians, lest they be discouraged. Don't you know that the word discouraged, that was the only time that it appeared in the New Testament. It was only found here in the New Testament and speaks of becoming disheartened or losing spirit. You know, according to a handbook on Paul's letters to the Colossians and to Philemon, such a discouraged child will close down his heart and hide inside himself. The child feels that he can never do anything right and so gives up trying. So the term father in Colossians 3.21 speaks directly of the male parent. Of course, the rule uh, to not provoke one's children ought to involve not just the father, but of course the mother also. But Paul reminds us here that fathers hold the critical responsibility as head of the household. The Christian father is not to overcorrect or harass his children or they will become discouraged, especially in their young age. You know that they are so sensitive, you know, which refers to a listless, sullen resignation, a broken spirit. To be discouraged as a child means to think, to think things like, I'll never get it right, or all he does is criticize, or he'll never, even to the point, think that he will never love me. You know what John Newton is reported to have said? I know that my father loved me, but he did not seem to wish me to see it. So that's very hurtful. So fathers, I know that we all, you all love your children. They're your precious ones. You know, and sometimes we really have to show them, to say to them that we love them. Yes, children are called to honor and obey their parents, but parents must not abuse their authority. They must treat their children with dignity, respect, patience, and love. Parents are called to encourage their children. They do this by teaching each child the principles of God's word. Endless criticism, emotional and physical neglect, and overly harsh discipline will defeat a child's spirit. You know what one commentator writes, constant nagging produces a situation where children are discouraged either because they cannot please those they love or because they feel they are of no worth to anybody. That's why we have to be careful. 
to all our fathers, to all our families. Such provocation is not of God and will crush a child's heart to the point of becoming fearful, timid, and withdrawn. He will grow up disheartened, lacking the necessary confidence to succeed and believe he can be all God created him to be. In a teaching on family relationships to the Ephesian church, Paul exhorted fathers, and ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but what? Bring them up. See that? Bring them up. Lift them up. Encourage them. Amen? Encourage them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. The language suggests a positive, nurturing, and faith-infused environment where children will see their father's genuine commitment to the Lord. Parents, and especially fathers, play a critical role in representing God to their children. Just as the Lord disciplines those he loves, mothers and fathers ought, of course, this is very important, just like what I said, to discipline their children, but with love as their primary motivation. So that we can apply what Hebrews 12, 11 said, afterward there will be peaceful harvest of li right living for those who are trained in this way. The Bible says, now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. So when we experience correction from our parents, you know, the parents has to do it because of their love motivation. Because they don't want just, you know, vent their anger. Because they're mad. You know, that's why, you know, I know we understand sometimes the men. You know, sometimes it's really a tough day. And, you know, with men, they don't think. They just do. When they're mad, they're angry, they just burst it out. But we need to learn and train ourselves to act. You know, that it would be pleasing and glorifying to God. So when we discipline our child, do this with love as our primary motivation. You know, growing up in a Christian home is meant to be a positive foundation-building, uplifting experience where parents start children off on the way they should go. We are so reminded of that, Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way they should go, and when they were old, they will not depart from it. Children need to see God's love and character modeled through their parents' lives. And such modeling will make it easier to live by the principle to listen when your father corrects you. Don't neglect your mother's instruction. What you learn from them will crown you with grace and be a chain of honor around your neck. The Bible says in Proverbs 1, 8 to 9, My son, hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law. Wow, mothers. <laughs> Imagine that. Uh, the father's is only instruction, but the mother is law. Amen? <laughs> That's why I told you, tomorrow is going to be Mother's Day all throughout the year again. And forsake not the law of thy mother, for they shall be an ornament of grace unto thy head, and chains about thy neck. All right, so children, we should hear the instruction of our parents and pray for them. Let us pray for one another. You know, we are all family here, and sometimes it also happens in the church you know, because we are God's family. But as we close this morning, some, some of the truth and reality of life that 
we cannot choose our family. We cannot. You know, sometimes we see other families, oh, I wish I'm, I'm part of their family. But you know, it is God's choice. It is God's choice, an all-knowing God, you know. He decided to put you in this family. So we cannot choose our family. We need to be thankful where God put us. Amen. But let me tell you that we can choose to change our family the, 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 the way God wants it to be. We can choose to change our family. So make our home, make our family a place where we want to go home. Amen? Where there is respect, where there is honor, where there is love, there is submission, there is care, compassion, just like how our Heavenly Father showed us. Amen. Glory to God. Let's close in prayer. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, thank you so much for um, this morning that you have given us. Uh, thank you so much for your compassion to us, your love to us. And yes, Lord, we do want to pray and lift to you all the fathers in our church. They play a big role in our families. And if there are Families that don't have fathers here, I know that the mothers are stepping up to take that responsibility. May We are also praying for them. And uh, may you help us, Lord God, to work with one another, to help one another, to pray for one another. Because truly that, it is only going to be by your grace and by your guidance, your leading that everything will work out and take place the way you want it to be. So first off, Lord, we have to surrender to you, to submit to you, to your will in our lives. And while every head bowed and every eye closed, as we continue to ponder upon the message and as we continue to commune with God, let me call Pastor Sam.